You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for being with us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. Perhaps at no time in the history of the country has the connection between education, the economy, and the basic fabric of our communities been so closely linked. Because of the layers and systems of government and education that we have in place, it's often hard to find one fulcrum for addressing or even touching all of these issues. In California, though, we have that opportunity. It exists in the mission and purpose of our community college system. The largest such system in the country, a group of 72 independent districts and 113 colleges, almost it alone has to look at the present and future of our economy, how we educate the workforce for that economy, and because of its local and decentralized nature, how it prepares both itself and its students to engage and interact with the local communities and leaders it serves. This is no small task, and taking on that task is the newly minted chancellor of the California Community College System, Eloy Ortiz Oakley. Most recently, the president superintendent of Long Beach City College. He himself is a product of the community college system. He also serves on the California Board of Regents, and it is my pleasure to welcome Eloy Ortiz Oakley to NapaBroadcasting.com. Chancellor Oakley, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you here. One of the things that is clear about the community college system and one of its its missions, which I'd like you to talk about, is its decentralized nature and allowing the various institutions to be closer to the community. Of course, the, the conflict seemingly inherent in that is it becomes harder to manage the whole thing, harder to have a singular mission and a singular purpose. Talk a little bit about that first. Yes. Uh, no, you've hit on a key point of our system. Um, uh, on the one hand, the beauty of our system and what sets us apart from the California State University system and the University of California system is that we are literally in 113 different communities across the state. And those 113 colleges have the ability to adapt to the needs of those communities uh, through uh, the governance of 72 independent districts, they can most quickly respond to the needs of their community. So that is a, a unique characteristic of our system, and it is one of the things that is um, a, a really positive, uh, particularly in times like, like these. On, on the flip side, it makes it a little harder since we are a loose confederacy of 72 independent districts. There are times when uh, the needs and the vision of the 72 districts don't necessarily coincide. But that's the, that's the job of the, the chancellor and the chancellor's office is to create a unifying vision and to really organize our 113 colleges, our more than 2.1 million students and millions upon millions of uh, alumni uh, all in one uh, unified direction. To what extent has the mission and vision of California's community college system evolved over time? How different is it, if at all, from the way it was envisioned in the original master plan? Well, uh, I think um, uh, as brilliant as uh, the founders of the master plan were, it was certainly hard to predict that higher education, um, the state of uh, of our communities, um, our, our state and our nation would look like it does today. Um, but 
they had enough foresight to understand that there needed to be a clear separation of mission between the three systems so that they could work together to serve the needs of all Californians. So, so that was certainly um, a, a positive. The, the challenge, of course, is that the master plan uh, that was envisioned in the 1960s um, did not take into consideration the vast diversity of our state, the tremendous needs uh, and the changing needs of our economy, and the kinds of resources that it would need to continue to serve those adequately. So over time, uh, the system has evolved to try and serve those needs, and in many cases, without the resources to keep up with, the, with that demand. So we've struggled over years, over recessions, to try and meet the huge demands of the ever-changing economy and prepare more and more students to participate meaningfully in the economy with a quality credential. So we've had our challenges. Um, I think we're at a point in time when the state recognizes that investment in community college is hugely important. And so we're finally realizing the fruits of that uh, vision in the 1960s with some additional resources to allow us to, to bring that to fruition. In talking about the diversity in California, one of the areas that you touch, that the community college system touches so closely, where there is so much diversity, is the K-12 through system in various communities. Talk a little bit about the impact of what's been going on in K-12, through how it's something that the community college system has had to respond to, and these efforts to create greater alignment between the two systems. Uh, yes, um, I mean certainly the, you know, from the 1980s on um, and through a couple of recessions, we saw an increasing decline in the ability of our public K-12 system to keep up with the demands of the um, burgeoning uh, population in California, and particularly the uh, uh, tremendous influx of. Um, of immigrants, of individuals who um, did not have English as their primary language, uh, tremendous in increase in terms of the number of people living in poverty in California. So there were a number of challenges thrust upon the K-12 system, and uh, uh, for quite a bit of that history, it was not able to keep up with that demand. So that significantly impacted the mission of California Community Colleges and because of the disjointed nature of the way that we're organized, in many cases, we did not work very closely with the K-12 system. And we, we just uh, took students when they walked through our door and uh, tried to figure out uh, how to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. And in many cases, we, we failed in that mission. So it hasn't been until the last 10 years where there's been tremendous reform in the K-12 system a real emphasis on equity, on, on funding equity in California, and a recognition that the community college system is really tied at the hip with the K-12 system. And uh, given the fact that uh, the economy no longer sees a high school diploma as a default to get into the workforce, it really has forced community colleges and the K-12 system to blur the lines between high school in college. And that has given us a really unique opportunity to create very clear pathways from K-12 all the way through the community college and beyond. 
So uh, it's a recognition that we see today, and we're spending a lot of time working on improving that uh, alignment. Talk a little bit more about those pathways, because one, again, one of the unique things about the community college system is students coming into it for so many different reasons, whether it's transfer, whether it's career readiness, that there are so many different agendas of students coming into it. It creates the need for so many multiple pathways within the system. Um, in, in, in theory, it does. Um, the, the one common denominator, particularly today, is whether you're coming to us right out of high school or coming to us after working five years in some industry that has now displaced you or coming to us, you know, after you've had the opportunity to raise a family and you now need uh, a post-secondary credential to get back into the workforce, there is a common denominator. And that common denominator is that everyone is looking for an opportunity to gain the skills they need to either get into the workforce meaningfully or to transfer to a four-year university. So once you break it down to its most simple parts, it's easier to figure out how to build those pathways. So uh, if you're an incoming um, high school graduate into one of our colleges, we're working hard with the high school districts to create pathways early on in the student's experience so that they can begin to explore career pathways in their region um, that are leading toward jobs of tomorrow or later on down in the future. So Uh, It requires that our community colleges work very closely with our high schools to develop pathways toward, you know, industries that are creating jobs. So whether it be the healthcare field, you know, the STEM field, the advanced manufacturing field, logistics, what have you, each region in our state has particular industries that we know are creating jobs of tomorrow. So, Uh, The flexibility we have in working with our K-12 system allows us to better serve that mission. At the same time, we also have a lot of data on what's going on in the economy. And we know that there are a lot of working uh, uh, working adults who are out there who are either underemployed or unemployed. And uh, the community colleges are in the best place to serve that mission as well because we can work most closely with the workforce investment boards, with all the organizations that are there to support worker training with trade unions, uh, with local business to really capture those working age adults, uh, and get them back into our colleges and reskill them. So those are the fundamental components of our mission. And the more that we can clarify and focus on those components, I think the, the easier it is for our 113 colleges to adapt and make sure that we're serving the primary mission that California needs us to serve, and that is to prepare more Californians to enter the workforce and to enter it in a very meaningful way. Talk a little bit about the nimbleness of the local community college districts, the allowability of of those districts to be nimble in responding to the changing needs of their communities. That is a a fundamental um, advantage that community college have, not just in California, but across the nation. That is essentially the DNA that was embedded in us when we were created. Um, uh, It is our mission to be adaptable. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, 
uh, over the last 20 some odd years, we began to get uh, more um, uh, constricted. Uh, you know, we piled layer upon layer of regulations so that, you know, there are, there were several uh, groups of either constituents or people that we serve that were protected. And as we built those layers of categorical funding of restricted funds, that flexibility that made us so unique began to dissipate. And thus we had a huge challenge um, early in this last decade to, to respond to the rapid changes in the economy. I think there's a recognition today and over the last uh, four years or so, we've begun to reform our system to, uh, again, be that flexible um, center for our communities. So, you know, whether you're at the College of the Siskiyous out in rural California, um, they can best assess the needs of that local economy and, and the needs of those students and have the adaptability to change their curriculum, to focus on adult learners or uh, in, in some cases, you know, those colleges may have a large population that they can serve in, in our correction system. Uh, so we are beginning to infuse that once again, uh, giving back control to the local colleges over their curriculum and their ability to adapt. And we think that that is the key to success for California uh, because the value that we create is, is moving people in 113 communities from where they are to greater wage gain, greater opportunity um, in the economy, and thus you know, perpetuating a much stronger uh, community where they live and work. How much focus is there within the system or even your sense of focus in, in various local communities on what the future economy looks like? Certainly there isn't a day that goes by that we don't see stories about disruption and change in so many industries and even the jobs that we're educating for today that may not be there 10, 15 years, maybe even less down the road. How much effort is there to focus on what that future California economy might look like? Well, this is a challenge for not only California community colleges, but for higher education across the board mm -hmm. and across the nation. Um, you know, our, our system of higher education um, uh, was designed to perpetuate a certain status quo in the way that we teach and the way that we expect students to learn. Um, that system, uh, that paradigm has been uh, disrupted significantly over the last 10 years, particularly over the last five years, as the... Um, uh, the changes in the economy, the changes in, in global competition have really forced a major shifts in, in local uh, economies throughout California. So um, that has been a reluctant focus uh, of our system, but uh, a required focus. It has taken us some time to recognize that the sands are not going to become stable anymore, that they're going to continue to shift under our feet and we have to become more nimble. So certainly in the last five years, we have begun to look at advances in the use of technology in the classroom, look at ways that we can increase the amount of students that we serve um, either online or through mobile devices. We've looked at um, and begin begun implementing new 
predictive analytic models that allow us to better customize education to the needs of individual students rather than broad swaths of students and allows us to not make general assumptions anymore about students and it really uh, allows us to dig into their high school experience, to look at their work experience and take that into consideration as we build an educational plan for students. So uh, we are uh, very much focused today on trying to adapt as quickly as possible through the use of technology and, and the use of many uh, disruptive techniques that have uh, impacted higher education across the nation. Uh, we are certainly still behind the curve. Uh, we are spending a lot of time and resources. Unfortunately, we have a governor who supports this effort. Uh, and I, I think we're on the right path, but uh, uh, we still need some time to ensure that our faculty and our staff on the 113 colleges have the tools they need to really adapt learning to meet the needs of not only today, but the future workforce. And, and that is going to be a challenge, but that's a challenge that uh, community colleges were built to take on. And within that context, how important are kinds of public-private partnerships working with some of the community colleges and working with businesses in the community to try and accomplish some of these goals? Well, it has become um, very necessary. Um, we recognize that there are finite tax dollars uh, in the state and in, in the country. Those tax dollars are being, um, you know, there's increased demand from social services, from other needs, uh, infrastructure needs, what have you. So in public education, we recognize that we can no longer rely just on the public's tax dollar to serve the mission that we're being asked to serve. Um, so we're having to seek out more private-public partnerships, uh, work with you know, um, quality uh, private partners who really do have the best interest of our student in mind and the best interest of our state in mind, and seek ways to leverage technology, to leverage assets and resources in these 113 communities. A good example of that is um, the uh, huge growth in College Promise programs. These College Promise programs bring together communities, uh, both uh, local governments, local philanthropy, as well as local business, to focus on the needs of students in that community. Uh, one such partnership that has, it's a great public-private example uh, near where you are is the, the Richmond Promise, which brings together the community of Richmond, the school district, the Contra Costa Community College District, and Chevron in a partnership to... Um, put resources into the community and ensure that everyone's working together to improve the educational outcomes of the children in that community. How important is the relationship between community colleges and local political leaders as you see it? Well, um, it is a very necessary partnership and a vital partnership. Our leaders, elected leaders, policy leaders in the state and in the nation uh, we need to make sure that they understand very clearly the needs of today's students. In many cases, you know, political leaders, policy leaders are humans. They had their experience in whether they went to a public 
uh, higher education institution, a private higher education institution, very selective, very um, broad access, what have you. Um, the experience that they had in their higher education um, institution probably differs very much from the experience that students are experiencing today. Uh, I often tell our political leaders that, um, you know, uh, they all embrace their alma maters, but to recognize that if they apply to those alma maters today, they probably wouldn't get in because the competition is much greater today than it was for many of us when we went through our higher education experience. So we must recognize that not only is there more competition, but there is a greater demand on individuals with a quality post-secondary credential. So just as as a nation, we decided and organized around and funded uh, universal access to a high school education, and we required students to have a high school diploma to get into the workforce, we now have to recognize that that goalpost has moved. The goalpost is now a post-secondary credential. So we need to do what we did, you know, 60 or so years ago and make a post-secondary credential as much of a default today uh, as we did a high school diploma. Do we need to be looking at something that is more akin to almost a K through 14 system? And do we need to see greater integration in, in those areas? The reality on the ground is that we are there. Um, we are really um, a K through 14 and working our way through a K through 16 system. Um, that is the reality for students. Um, and so it's taken us a while to not only recognize, but begin to organize ourselves around that. Um, over the last five years, uh, through the, uh, the vision of some of our political and policy leaders, uh, such as uh, the former pro tem of the Senate, Daryl Steinberg, we began to invest in building partnerships between high schools and community colleges and to really blur the line to begin to teach college credit courses in the high schools, so that we can put students on a track to a college credential as soon as possible. Uh, so yes, we, we definitely need to rethink the siloed strategy that um, we put in place and really look at the education spectrum as, you know, stops along the way to a college credential, but that the college credential is really uh, the way that we should view the student's experience and how we can get them to that college credential as quickly as possible. Does all of this create undue pressure on the system in looking at it as kind of the pipeline for social and economic mobility, particularly in a place with as much economic and social diversity as California? It certainly puts pressure on the system, um, um, but you know I think uh, whether or not it was the vision of the founders of the master plan, it has certainly proven to be an excellent recipe for addressing the need. Um, the fact that we as a state invested in creating 113 colleges throughout California creating the largest system of higher education in the nation and for the most part in, in the world, um, 
that provided us a great platform to now serve the needs of the future. Now it's up to us as the organizers of the system, the faculty and the administrators and the staff of the system to organize our structures uh, to better serve uh, that demand. And so uh, I think we have the fundamental pieces uh, that we need because of the investment that California has made in our system. Now it's up to us as educators to recognize that we need to change our practices. We need to change our regulations and our culture around this today's need and really the future needs. We've, we've got to position ourselves in a way that we are evolving on a year to year basis, not on a decade to decade basis. And finally, what are the ways you would like to see that culture change? Well, the culture has begun to change, but uh, part of the cultural change is that we need to recognize that students come to us and need a very, very clear path to their educational goal. Um, We have had a culture that has uh, allowed students to come to our colleges uh, and, and basically pick and choose classes, uh, spend, you know, several years in our colleges sort of trying to figure out what they want to do in life. And we as educators hadn't recognized that these students, uh, uh, particularly in terms of the growth of first generation students that we now serve, don't have the infrastructure in their homes, in their communities, neighborhoods, to really understand how to navigate our system, to understand how to pay for college, to understand the importance of a college credential, to understand how to get through our system as quickly as possible. And so we inadvertently created a system that's very hard to navigate for first-generation, low-income students of color, which are the majority of our future workforce now. So we need to take a step back, rethink the culture that we've created and really create a culture that's much more focused, very clear pathways from the time they enter our colleges to the time they need to get out, change our course taking patterns to adapt to the needs of today's students and really rethink how we're reaching out to communities across uh, the state to ensure that, you know, every Californian who needs to gain the skills necessary to get into the workforce has the ability to do that, uh, whether they're working full-time, able to go to school full-time, able to come to class uh, from a a faraway place uh, to one of our urban or rural campuses. So that's the kind of cultural change that I'm talking about. Um, And and that is a shift because um, that is the way the higher education has been organized over the last hundred years. And we need to rethink how we're organized today in order to serve the needs of the future. Eloy Ortiz-Oakley, the Chancellor of the California Community College System, member of the Board of Regents, I thank you so very much for spending time with us today. I appreciate the opportunity, and and thanks for those great questions. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.